companies mentioned herein are for illustrative purposes only, not intended as solicitation of the purchase of such securities, and do not constitute any investment advice or recommendation. Hi, I'm Ulrich Fugman, and with me today is Edward Lees. Together, we're the co-CIOs of the Environmental Strategies Group here at BNP Paribas Asset Management. We're very excited to be hosting Plug Power as part of our Uncapped Impact Series, a global end-to-end -end green hydrogen company that today have a pole position in contributing to the green hydrogen economy. The green hydrogen ecosystem is the fastest growing clean energy technology amongst those within the energy transition. Joining us today to talk about this in more detail is hydrogen industry leader, Andy Marsh, president and CEO of Plug Power. So Andy, thank you very much for joining us today for the talk about your company Plug Power and the green hydrogen ecosystem. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, great to be with one of our great investors, Great to be able to talk about Plug, which I love talking about. Fantastic. I love to talk about the industry with you today. Great. Well, let's get started. Okay. Andy, there's a lot of buzz around hydrogen. You know, more and more governments around the world are expressing interest and support through policy. And of course, uh, Plug is a, a real central player, not just through manufacturing, electrolyzers, fuel cells at scale, uh, but also um, through green hydrogen production plans. Uh, and of course, the whole suite of logistics, storage right. and transportation puts you in a really interesting position to comment on all this. So tell us, what's the big picture uh, and how do you fit in and, and what good is that doing for the environment? There's been really a few items that have occurred over the past decade that have really highlighted this hydrogen economy for the future. One was the Paris Accord. And after Paris, it took folks about two to three years to recognize that there were many industrial applications like green steel, which represents six to seven percent of the carbon footprint, as well as things like concrete manufacturing, that the only way you were going to get there was green hydrogen, that electricity wasn't going to work in these processes. That was an important moment because it did take a while for folks to understand and now you have folks like Bloomberg saying 20% of the world's energy needs will come from hydrogen. COVID was important because at COVID, folks took a step back and said, we're putting all this money out there, but we want this money to really support our governmental goals. And part of the governmental goals, whether you're in China, whether you're in my home country, United States, hydrogen's taking a prominent position because they recognize it's the jobs and the opportunities of the future. Third, and I was just with the Minister of Energy of Ukraine, you know, the Ukraine war and how us in the Western world and the liberal democracies really have energy independence to make sure the future is one where energy is readily available and it's not a national security issue. Those have been three big drivers for the industry. And then you take a look at Plug. We've been doing this a long time, 25 years. But we've done something which is unique. First off, we've really built out the whole hydrogen ecosystem. Everywhere from those electrolyzers, which take water and green energy and create 
hydrogen. We know how to store hydrogen in cryogenic form. We've built more fueling stations than anyone in the world, over 200 fueling stations. We became the largest user of liquid hydrogen and we're involved in so many different applications with building large scale stationary products in South Korea with SK, our JV with Renault called Hyvea here in Europe, uh, to our traditional market and material handling. 60,000 fuel cells, 200 fueling stations, more hydrogen trucks on the road supplying, distributing hydrogen than anyone else in the world in liquid form, largest user of liquid hydrogen. And now we're building our own plants and becoming deeply vertically integrated. And our first plant in Georgia is coming online. Texas, New York, Louisiana will follow. We have a great activities going on in Finland where we plan between now and 2030 to build out two gigawatts worth of electrolyzer products for generating hydrogen for hard to decarbonize applications. We've done a lot. And I guess I should mention, we probably have the best manufacturing facilities in the world. Uh, I think you probably watched, some of your folks may have watched our investor day and you see our you know, gigawatt factory, which we think can be three times bigger than we originally thought in Rochester, New York. Uh, anyone who walks through is just ah by what they've seen. So many of our potential customers who come through, they've said they've been at competitors' facilities. They've never seen anything like it. And now the, the Georgia plant being built at pace, uh, a real quick turnaround. Uh, you know, 48 weeks from breaking ground to uh, generating liquid hydrogen, which is a lot more difficult. We generated uh, gaseous hydrogen there. Probably it took us four or five months. Liquid's a lot tougher. And we've been able to do that in 48 weeks. And you hear folks talk about it takes over four years to build a plant like that. We did it in 40, 48 weeks. There were 500,000 man hours that went into building that plant. And one of the things we're most proud of, we've done it without an accident. No recordable accident. Our EPC contractor, who's been around for 50 years, said they've never experienced anything like that. So we've done it safely, we've done it fast, and uh, we have really the largest electrolyzer plant in North America, and I think bigger than anything in Europe. And uh, probably there's things in China that are bigger, but uh, nothing compared in this Western world. Oh, that's impressive, and now you can leverage those learnings for your future projects. You got it. I mean, and the way it's been designed, it's been designed to duplicate, duplicate, duplicate. When you go to Texas uh, next year at this time, it's going to look like Georgia today. When you go to New York, it's going to look like Georgia. You won't know you're in New York, Georgia, or Finland. And Andy, exactly as you mentioned, you've been uh, doing this now for 25 years, and your career goes even further than that, you know, uh, within all applications of, of energy. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal journey uh, within this industry. You're also deeply immersed outside of Plug Power in uh, associations and being really a spokesperson for the hydrogen economy and the importance of building this out. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal experience and motivation uh, for continuing to build out. I've been fortunate. I've been able to be on the cutting edge 
in wireless in the 80s before people did wireless networks. I was in one of the first sites when I worked for Bell Laboratories back in the 80s and about you know, building out some of the first wireless space stations and figuring out, quite honestly, how to make them work. I was fortunate enough to start a company that powers most of broadband in the United States for outdoor applications. I was the co-founder and CEO of the company, and that was a wonderful experience. And I got attracted to Plug for multiple reasons. One, it was clear to me, if you were going to step into a new domain that's going to change dramatically like telecommunication changed, it was energy. And you take a step back at who was the, had the best raw technology in energy if you go back when I joined the company. And that was 15 years ago, if I've been doing it for. It was clear to me, it was these engineers at Plug. And my goal was really to try to think through how to build first a business with them and for how to build an industry with this team. And one of the things, and I can tell you 15 years ago, I didn't realize how important it was to build Plug beyond just the company, but really to take that leadership position in defining the hydrogen economy. I am also the chairperson of the Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association in the United States. We've actually tripled the size of the organization since I've been the chairperson. But it's also given me the relationships with policymakers, not only in the United States, but in Europe and South Korea, uh, to really help you know, forge that kind of roadmap for the future. For example, I was on the phone with Senator Manchin in the United States and talking about hydrogen policy and how we should be directing it in the United States. I had the fortunate opportunity to meet the Ukrainian energy minister, again, thinking about long-term energy policy here in Europe. Why are they talking to Plug? They're actually talking to Plug because lots of people are talking about things wanting to be involved in the hydrogen economy. They all see that Plug actually has the record of doing real things today. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm at Plug. I like doing real things that can change the world. And it's been really a, it's been a marvelous experience and the journey for me continues. Well, we're privileged uh, and I think our clients are too to be part of that journey uh, and uh... Yeah, it's an incredible team that you've put together. Incredible team, everywhere from people like Sanjay Shrista, who had long experience in the solar industry and was a lean analyst at Lazard, to Jose Crespo, who's sold products in multiple industries around the world and really established two of our key relationships, one with Amazon and also the one with Axiona. And you have Benjamin Haycraft, who runs our European a activity. Benjamin really was the mastermind behind our JV with Hyvea, mm -hmm. as well as everything we have going on at the Port of Antwerp, where we're building a large green hydrogen plant. And how do you then see the opportunity there in, in Europe, um, you know, us being uh, based here in Europe, and a lot of our clients being based here in yeah. Europe? What are the sort of key differences you see between 
you know, hydrogen in Europe vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the U.S. and, and uh, the opportunity to scale it in those two different regions. In the U.S., it's more, and, and I'm going to say how you scale. Yeah. A lot of how you scale is how you work with people who can provide debt financing the plants or how do you bring in the right partners, both financial as well as industrial partners. Mm. And in the U.S., uh, it's certainly more of a Wall Street-driven activity, mm -hmm. right? So if you really look at the policy of the IRA, and I actually, you know, Plug worked with the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association, but really very closely with Air Liquide and Cummings to really think through, even before President Biden was president, what, it, what we thought it needed to look like. In the U.S., it's much more structured how do you put government policy in place and then let Wall Street really finance the future? In Europe, uh, it's probably a little bit slower, but more structured. It's not, you know, it's clear to me the European strategy, you know, the European Commission defines the rules that allows for implementation. And when you look at the fundamental dollars which are allocated to government policy and energy for this transition. Mm. It's actually higher in Europe than the United States, in theory. But the United States has the added advantage of how you dr drive the financial community into it. Quite honestly, I think the right mix is somewhere in between. But uh, it is a different environment to work in. But one thing that's the same, both areas of the world, the EU and the US, as well as places like South Korea, and Japan fully believe to decarbonize and meet their country's goals, hydrogen and green hydrogen specifically needs to be a critical part. What are some of the main headwinds that you see? How is Plug dealing with those? And what would you tell the naysayers, people that say it's too early, it's not cost effective enough? First, I would say you're going to miss an opportunity. Uh, I spoke about my career in the wireless industry. And I can tell you when it was different. I worked there from the early 80s into the late 90s. And around 1993, 1994, after working in it for 12 years, I realized the time was there. The technology and the costs were coming down. And there was strong government push around the world for wireless communication. Same's going on with hydrogen today. And we've talked a lot about policies and governments, but also um, companies are critical to all this. So you take a look around, Plug's biggest customer is Amazon. I'm well, well aware of Amazon's hydrogen policies, strategies, and goals. And what we're doing at Plug everywhere from building green hydrogen plants to our Hyvea vehicles, to what we do in distribution centers, to stationary products. All that product mix is part of Amazon's plans to achieve their net zero goals. But you go around the world, Microsoft, SK. Uh, here in Europe, we did a deal for building plants in Finland. All that's driven as much by customers as governments. So people want these products, want these technologies. And you know, climate certainly is a big driver. But behind that, when you think about these companies, 
they're also being driven by the consumers. I mean, the younger generation want to buy sustainable products. They don't want oil and gas. I understand we need oil and gas today, but they want to buy from companies who have goals to be at net zero. That drives our business as much as anything else. So to the naysayers, I would say, don't you see the consumer drives that wants this? Couple on top of that, the governmental policy goals. I think you couple both of them together. It's really a unique combination. And on top of that, um, when you look at uh, this space, hydrogen fuel cells, my fundamental belief that uh, no one's in a better position than plug to take advantage of this emerging economy. And when you've been doing it for 25 years, there's other people who've been doing it for 25 years. But uh, if one listens to videos and interviews that I've done, I always mention plug is doing real things. I heard it again when I was sitting there with uh, the Ukrainian minister. Why was he speaking to me? Because they're developing a hydrogen policy. You could talk to many people, but there's really only a couple folks you can talk to who've actually built real things, worked with real customers. I guess I talked about the opportunities and skipped the challenges. Look, uh, the challenges is that you're doing lots of things for the first time. And they're surprises. I'm sure when I walk out of this meeting, I'm going to read an email and have a surprise. But the challenges are not technology-oriented. They're engineering-oriented. They're somewhat business-oriented. And working through those first experiences with customers using hydrogen and fuel cells, you know, developing new products like our stationary products and building plants, surprises happen. You learned along the way. Uh, those learning experiences, though, I believe is one of Plug's differential advantages because uh, we've learned a lot and we've stumbled along the way and we'll continue to learn. I look at the business today, the businesses which are the oldest businesses to me continue to grow. And quite honestly, I spend almost none of my time on that have great leadership like Jose Crespo who can drive it, who can manage it. I have great factories. You know, it's a business where now the forecasts are made, orders are taken, supply chain implements, manufacturing produced, deployments at customers. And there was one time in our company that I knew every step along that journey. I don't have to be involved today. It's the new opportunities and new areas where we have to make sure we're it becomes routine. And they're becoming routine faster because we went through that loop before. I think that's a great segue into the, the next question, which is we'd love, uh, with the insight that you have in the green um, uh, hydrogen space and hydrogen space more broadly, I think it'd be exciting to, to hear about the 2.0. What's going to happen in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from where you're sitting? We're talking about, you know, air mobility, um, even in transportation where most people feel more comfortable with electrification yeah. and are more questioning, for example, the role of hydrogen. 
you know, but what do you, what do you sort of see uh, if you had to look into your, your sort of- My uh, crystal ball? Your crystal ball. So I think the important item is the availability to move large quantities of hydrogen. That's actually the key to the application. And I'll talk about some of the applications. There'll be applications for hydrogen that we won't even think about today, but when it becomes readily available. So the work that's being done you know, in, by folks in Denmark to build a hydrogen pipeline to Central Europe, I was with fin, FinGrid a couple weeks ago. They're looking to build a hydrogen pipeline. When hydrogen pipelines, and this will be what the world will be like in 10 years, are just like natural gas pipelines, where they're easily accessible. That's going to open up all sorts of applications, which, you know, which really aren't on people's drawing boards today. Uh, it is clear, most applications which use gray hydrogen today, 10 years from now, that'll be passe. That'll be green hydrogen. Green hydrogen also will take to replace anything which is you know, requires high temperature burning, which uses natural gas and oil today, hydrogen will replace it. You know, the interesting markets that for fuel cells actually have more to do with uh, what does a future network look like? And you can envision future power networks where solar and wind are generating electricity for the grid Hydrogen's being stored because if you have to provide over eight hours of, um, over a day of backup, batteries aren't going to cut it. Hydrogen will. And that hydrogen will be used to power stationary fuel cell products. We're beginning to work with SK on because they'll become the future peaker plants. And those peaker plants may be located, and there'll be electrolyzers there that are generating hydrogen. Those peaker plants actually will exist, I think, in non-traditional places. Mm. Uh, I think they'll exist at Microsoft IT centers. I think uh, they'll exist in microgrids. Um, they're not going to be this big centralized activity. Uh, that's going to be different. I think the vehicle space is really interesting. When I talk to folks uh, who are in the last mile delivery, They'll tell me 35% of the last mile will be some hybrid combination because of range and fast fueling. You know, it's really a lot easier to move energy and gases to liquid form than electric form. And if you want fast fueling, it has to be hydrogen. If you want to store a lot of energy and it's even going to become more dense, we have work going on plug. How do you store liquid hydrogen for class A trucks for long range applications, which makes those trucks so much lighter and so much more range. Uh, we're doing that work. Uh, we bought a small company uh, that has its roots at Washington State University, which is a leader in cryogenics. I think you'll see those vehicles on the road. I also believe more passenger vehicles will be a hybrid combination. I sit back, uh, as your audience already figured, I'm an American. Uh, 
I sit back and I see, I watched the evacuation of Florida during hurricane. And I was sitting there and saying to myself, how in the world are they ever going to do that with batteries? And then I sit back and say, they're not. They really need to be hybrid vehicles so that uh, you can have fueling stations where people can fill up just like gasoline today and really leverage the attributes of both. It's interesting, that's what Plug's really been doing for 15 years. Everything we've done is a hybrid. I think this argument, what's better, batteries or fuel cells will go away, and there'll really be a combination of both to solve many, many problems. And then you talk to airplanes and all sorts of other areas. I think as the world becomes more electrified, as hydrogen becomes a substitute, people are going to figure out creative ways to think about how to use hydrogen, which nobody's talking about today. And it was great to hear your, your perspective also about the difference between the US, Europe, and, and how Wall Street seems to play a bigger role in, uh, in the US in particular. And that leads me to sort of the next question. What does Wall Street and the asset management industry, what role do you see that playing in clean energy and, and, and specifically for, for plug power? And what role does that play today? I think it, there's a number of items to have investors who share the longer term vision in this industry and are not trading in and out every day and who hold the company for more than six hours is really uh, beneficial. And, and the folks at BMP here, they've spent a great deal of time understanding plug as well as the whole competitive environment, which I think is in the greater interest of uh, folks who have a longer term view. And I think this evolution or revolution in climate, you know, when you start thinking about the broader picture of asset management, we're building a lot of plants. We're going to build plants by ourselves. We're going to build plants with partners. We're going to build plants for partners. Uh, but uh, asset management, the access to capital at a project level is going to become a more and more critical part of Plug's business model. And they're the kind of partners we need, both in Wall Street and, you know, hopefully in Europe. I think uh, it really matches well with uh, the goals of European companies, European government policies, and American companies and policies. Andy, we've heard a lot of great things from you today. Uh, and I thought I'd just end with some closing observations and then pass it over to you for some final thoughts. You know, we first invested in, in Plug in 2019. We saw a structural opportunity, I'd say, in the industry and indeed in, in Plug mm -hmm. specifically. Now, back then, you were kind of a 250 million revenue company. You know, uh, this year, you'll likely do well in excess of a, a billion. Uh, you've talked about Plug uh, hitting 5 billion in revenue by 2026. You're now in five continents. We've got eyes out for that sixth. Yeah. You're aiming to produce 2,000 tons per day of green hydrogen by uh, 2030, I believe it is. And uh, you know, you've talked uh, a lot about some of the different uh, strategic partnerships you have. That's SK Group in Asia, or Renault and Axiona Energia here in Europe and in the US. Some of your clients are household names. Amazon and, and Walmart. So, you know, you clearly have a big role to play uh, in a number of things, including energy security, which is a big pressing issue around the world. And I think it was really interesting to hear you talk about Ukraine today. 
Now, when people think about hydrogen, a lot of the time they come, their mind first goes to you know, cars and trucks, and you're doing work there with Hyvea. But of course, you know, we've heard you today talk about a whole host of other things. I mean, the big opportunity there is in industrial applications, moving all of that gray hydrogen usage to green, you know, whether it's for fertilizer or refining, uh, or uh, indeed uh, green steel and, and cement. You also talked about uh, energy storage, long duration energy storage, there's EV charging. Uh, and recently you also worked with Universal Hydrogen on their uh, test flight, a 40 person regional flight. I enjoyed watching that on YouTube. Really, really exciting. Um, so, you know, amidst all of that stuff, what haven't we talked about? Is there, <laughs> is there any final thought from your side about you know, what, what, what's top of mind for you or, or what might you be focusing on the most over the next 12 months? We're focused on today and also tomorrow. We're at the point where we've built these great factories, we've built this, these great sales channels. There's a path to being EBITDA positive you know, by the end of the year or early next year. There's a clear path to profitability. So probably half my job today is really making sure we execute to meet those needs, right? Because I fundamentally believe that will be another inflection point. On the other side, Ed, um, a year from now, we're going to have demonstrated that. The questions are going to be much more future-oriented. And uh, I spent a good deal of time on the future. I think you look at the deal we did in Finland, which as we execute, that will represent 5% of Europe's energy goals by 2030 for hydrogen. That's a big deal. Plug is, uh, you know, when you think about, you know, we talk about the uh, effect that when we make more hydrogen, sell more hydrogen, it actually accelerates our fuel cell products. And they actually play well off of each other. During this interview, we talked about our stationary business, our vehicle business, the business going on with generating hydrogen for more traditional applications. They all feed into each other. And as one gets stronger, the next one gets stronger. And um, I almost think about hydrogen as what drives the growth of this fuel cell industry. As you do these industrial applications, it will really make the mobility and stationary products hydrogen lower cost, which will make them more competitive. And then when I look at the broader world, um, maybe a little parochial, I don't see anyone else in the industry that has such a broad portfolio and hands in so many sectors of the hydrogen economy. A lot of people ask me, you know, I was at a White House meeting where one of the uh, senior White House individuals, you know, at the end of the meeting, I said to him, there's going to be a lot of people coming to talk to you about hydrogen and, uh, and that they're going to give you their opinions, but they haven't done anything. And he turned to me and said, Andy, there's not going to be a lot of meetings in the White House. <laughs> because I wanted to speak with you because Plug is the company that's doing real things today and building out the hydrogen economy. And that really becomes the baseline as I tell 
my employees every week on my all-employee meeting, our goal was to be a dominant player in this hydrogen industry. Not today, where we are, but for the decades to come. And that's really what I would like to leave the folks with today. Andy, that is great. It's great to hear your, your focus combined with that potential looking out. And I just want to say that uh, from both me and from Ulrich, uh, from our entire environmental strategies group team and indeed the broader BNP Paribas group, thank you so much for coming today. It was a thank pleasure you. to be here today. It's always great to be in London. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Thank you.